Podo. You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinson's.org.uk. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Movers and Shakers, a podcast about Parkinson's. I'm Rory Kettling-Jones. I'm here in a Notting Hill pub with a bunch of people who meet here regularly for a drink and a moan. Before we get started, let's have a roll call. Who have we got? Mark Mardell. Jeremy Paxman. Paul Mayhew-Archer. Gillian Lacey-Solomar. Nicholas Morstan. Well, we're going to say a little more about ourselves in a moment, but first of all, I'm going to hand over the presenting of this first episode to the only person who can bring a bit of discipline to this rabble, His Eminence, Judge Nicholas Mostyn. <laughs> Take it away, Judge. His Eminence. So I'm a cardinal now, am I? At least, at least. Um, I wondered why okay. you were wearing that. Are you going to get picky again <laughs> about your title? <laughs> no. Which is a constant <laughs> theme. We're always calling you the wrong thing. Just Anyhow, wait, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. There are six of us here, and we've all got one thing in common, which is we've all got Parkinson's. And we've been meeting here in the pub in the Labrador Arms for how long? Two years? Quite long enough to be too pissed to know what we're saying. <laughs> Speak for yourself. And we find, I think we found it to be extremely helpful in understanding the experiences of others because, as we will find out in a minute, Parkinson's is very, very wide in its, in its impact, isn't it, Paul? It is. Because you're going to give us a brief description of the condition to the best of your understanding. Well, the best of my understanding is that we know very little about Parkinson's, even after 200 years of it being called Parkinson's. It's called Parkinson's disease, but there's some doubt as to whether it should be called a disease, because I did a thing for Parkinson's UK a couple of years ago, and uh, I was being interviewed on radio, and they said, uh, now, they prepared me for the interview by saying, now, try and avoid using the word disease, (laughs) because we don't think it is a disease and also try and avoid using the word suffering because that's rather depressing so I went into this interview and the interviewer began so today we're talking about Parkinson's disease and I have with me Paul Mayhew Archer who has suffered from this terrible (laughs) disease for some time in fact Paul I know something of the suffering myself because I my sister-in-law used to have this ghastly disease and from the moment she got it it was a downward spiral in fact, it brought the entire family down with her. So we were very relieved when she was relieved of her suffering by her death. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, what's your message? <laughs> so that was my experience of, of what we don't know. And and the thing is that we've all got these different symptoms. There's nothing the same. I've got a list of symptoms here, and some of us will have them and others won't have them. Loss of balance, loss of the sense of smell, loss of speech, garbled speech, problems with swallowing, hallucinations, erectile dysfunction, constipation, tiny handwriting, (laughs) slowness, 
Freezing or temporary paralysis, drooling, obsessive behaviour, stiffness in the arms and legs, memory loss, uncontrollable shaking, paranoia and depression. Well, this is going to be fun. I mean, amazing. That's why you're better off to take it that Gillian doesn't have erectile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, but this paranoia and depression, Mm. what a surprise, Mm. uh, given all the other things, that those are symptoms as well. Actually, I I should mention that perhaps that the, uh, given my constipation, I regard the loss of my sense of smell as a positive (laughs) bonus. But anyway, we've... We've got some of these things, and some of us have some, and others don't, and it's all very, very confusing. And all I know is that some of the symptoms, like stopping us walking, stopping us speaking, stopping us being able to to write clearly, if you look at my writing, it's completely unreadable, all these things stop us communicating. Mm. That's what Parkinson's tries to do. And so what we're doing is fighting back by trying to talk about Parkinson's while we still can and explain as much as we possibly can. So so we want to hear from people, we want to get other people involved and fight back against this bloody irritating illness. Irritating is a great word. Yes. <laughs> really is. Yeah, that is, is nothing but irritating. Beautiful English understatement. It's named after Dr. James Parkinson. Jeremy, you... You it is, yeah. Tell us about I'm amazed him. by the number of people who have Parkinson's who never ask who on earth is Parkinson or was Parkinson. Was it Cecil Parkinson? <laughs> no, it no. wasn't Cecil Parkinson. Michael Parkinson. He had a chat show, didn't he? No, not him. No, no, is no, loss no, of no, curiosity no, no. one of the symptoms, do you think? Loss of curiosity is certainly applies to you lot. <laughs> go You're on, hope- tell us. We go. You're homeless. Is named after James Parkinson, who was an East End doctor. His dad had been a doctor. He lived in Hoxton. And in 1755, he noticed that three of his patients had similar symptoms to people he saw passing in the street. These included walking forwards, leaning forwards, falling forwards. And the one particularly wealthy bloke had had a servant who walked backwards in front of him. (laughs) <laughs> to catch him when he went. <laughs> Where can he get them? We can't. You can't. You can't get them for love or money. No. I've tried. Not on the NHS. Not no, since no, no. Brexit. So anyway, and then he wrote there's something called a treatise on the shaking palsy, and but it was decided, in the words of a 20th century doctor, that it was much less alarming to give people the sense that they suffer from Parkinson's disease than they suffer from the shaking palsy. Because the shaking palsy sounds bad. And right. we've all got it. Did he achieve anything else or identify anything else? No, is he re- is, he is he that not enough? Is he remembered for any other reason? <laughs> yes, he is. He's rem- he did a lot of work on fossils. He was bloody good on fossils. Looking round this table. We move a little bit more slowly than fossils. But as you <laughs> ought to be aware, it was a very controversial thing to be interested in in the 19th century. Because, of course... Fossils give the light at the creation myth. Yes. If you were a Darwinist, you were regarded as suspect, weren't you? Yes. Well, you would be, certainly, yes. You're pretty regarded as suspect now, <laughs> this, aren't you? But there's so, another confusion because he called it the shaking palsy, but a third of us don't shake. Most of us don't shake. I don't shake. I shake in bed occasionally. My left leg goes bonkers sometimes. But by and large, I don't shake. Nick shakes, I see. I shake. Do you shake a little bit? Y- yes. yes. I don't, but I did. I sh- shook horribly before. Do you my shake, operation. Mark? No, I don't shake. Yeah. Oh, I think well. imperceptibly I might do because my finger on the uh, iPhone 
sort of taps repeatedly. But, but before we do that, let's just introduce ourselves, shall we? So you're speaking Jeremy. For people who don't know you. There is nobody. <laughs> but let's introduce ourselves. I'm Jeremy Passman. I am a journalist and a presenter and basically I'll do anything for money. <laughs> Well, there's no money in this, I have to tell you. I don't know how to break this to you. I'm Rory Kethlin-Jones. I was a BBC reporter. I was the BBC's technology correspondent for 15 years. I'm now a freelance operator who will also do anything for money and quite often does. I'm Mo Mardell. I'm uh, also a journalist. also worked most of my life for the BBC, although I started in commercial radio. Ended up presenting on Radio 4, which I don't think I could do now. And before that, was worked a long time at Westminster. I was Europe editor, I was North America editor. And now I'm largely retired, but I'll also do anything for money if asked. <laughs> My name's Gillian. I'm the only woman in the group. I am struggling sometimes to get a word in edgeways here with all these alpha males around me. But I shall do my best. In terms of background, my background is also, well, was journalism, but not for as long as some of the other things I did. I was a lecturer at UCL. I was a management consultant for a while, I was an entrepreneur for a while, so I wore lots of hats, or maybe I was just very confused about what I was trying to do. I was going to just say two things about, cheerier things about um, Parkinson's. One was that, for me, it hasn't been an unmitigated disaster, just because they're t- the, my two good things are that I've met you lot, which is really oh, That's quite very nice of you. So nice well, you know, it's rather yeah. lovely to meet interesting people, and I wouldn't be here if this, I didn't have Parkinson's. And the other thing was... That's not the Parkinson's, but the drugs have caused this amazing sort of flourishing of creativity, which I don't know if it's happened to anyone else. I think the drugs are very, very crude. They're very crude, but they had this, for me, a huge impact, huge impact. Tell us about the treatment that you had. Oh, well, that... that, Well, we actually all look up to you. We do. Because you're the only one. There's no treatment for Parkinson's. People don't die of it, but they die with it. Mm. But the only treatment is this... Deep brain stimulation, when which they drill a hole in the top of your skull. Yes, well, really? we've all had the pleasure of feeling the hole in the top of your skull. <laughs> Is that Too called trepanning? I haven't. Ah, oh, no, it's not Mark. called trepanning. Later, later. Yes, I've got two electrodes in there. I've got a remote control which is in my bag. If I get boring, you switch me off. <laughs> so it's an ongoing procedure. It's, I, it's, I thought it was something you just went into hospital and had, but it's something. Oh no, can. no. It's so it's, how does it work? God knows. Well, it gives... The two electrodes have some electricity going through them and the electricity can go to various different parts of your brain and you have to be super careful with where it goes because there's this part of the brain called the limbic bit, which is where all the emotions are. I didn't know any of this before the whole thing. If it's too much in there, you suddenly feel as though you're going completely bonkers. Completely bonkers. And people have committed suicide with that being too sort of radiated in that part. But if I do it in other parts of the brain, it stops the pain and it stops... I mean, there's a tremor that I had, which was unbelievable. I played the video to Jeremy pre-op. And it was said, horrible. And you hated it. I really, really upset me, Scary, actually. Wasn't it? Except... Yeah, we looked at it and uh, we were all together, together, weren't we, in here? And we looked at it. And there was this figure... And you just seemed so out of control. Completely. I mean, I it was. It was horrible. It was horrible, but the reason I keep that video is because it's nice to see that it's better. 
you know, mm. but it's not all hopeless. So would you recommend it? Because I'm possibly having the deep brain stimulation really next yeah. year. Yes, I really would. Are you? So yeah. you are. So I am. Yourself. Yes. Uh, so I am Paul Mayhew Archer. I'm a comedy writer and producer. I co-wrote The Vicar of Dibley with Richard Curtis. And then 12 years ago, I got Parkinson's. And it's possibly, following up from what Gillian said, it's possibly one of the best things that has happened to me in my life because it led me to rediscover a love of performing and it has enabled me to meet wonderful people have wonderful experiences and i wouldn't have missed it for the world and you're on tour nearly all the time with your parkinson's show in yeah. deepest lincolnshire and other places I'll, I'll go anywhere and i do it to raise money for parkinson's groups and it's called incurable optimist oh excellent I love that one thing i forgot to do is we should say when were you diagnosed jeremy i was diagnosed last year in about last 20, year, about 22. March, 2022 or 2022 or one or I don't know. Sometime. No, 21. You were you were diagnosed in 21. I'm you were diagnosed, diagnosed in 21. 21 mm. Because like, that's when I met you. Does it cause memory problems? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were diagnosed in 2021. What about you, Roy? I was diagnosed in January on something like January the fourth, 2019, at uh, St Mary's Paddington. I think it was. I thought you were going to give us a time. Uh, yeah, it was mm. about 11.35, I think. <laughs> and what about you, Mark? Give or take. Uh, March last year, 2022. So you are... I'm the new, most recent, although I think I probably... Neophyte. Really am, yes. But I think I probably had it for a while longer. What about, no how, one can ever say when it started. No. That's one of the characteristics of the disease. Oh. They can't say when it's when they started. Yeah, you think of something and you think, well, maybe that was Parkinson's. Yeah. You go back to, oh, falling off my bike as a child. Maybe that was it. You oh. know what I mean? Yeah. You can't really tell because the symptoms are so varied whether well, it was Parkinson's. What, what do you reckon your, is your, your worst symptom? Well, now my voice, because uh, I think you hit it dead on, Paul. I mean, it's about communication. And so as a journalist, I mean, not being able to, and a broadcaster, not being able to speak and not being able to make myself heard is bad, but then not being able to type properly is bad. Yes. So two ma mm. my two main things of communication, which means that sending an ordinary email takes me like hours and hours. Mm. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed 12 or 13 years <coughs> ago now. And I, in fact, I was told by a friend, because I, I said to him, I'm, it's very odd because my writing seems to have got smaller and also one of my arms doesn't swing when I'm walking. And he said, well, I don't want to worry you, but I think you might have Parkinson's. Some what friends. He, what he'd have said if he had wanted to worry me, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that was the, 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 the introduction. So when I went to see my neurologist, I already sort of knew what mm. I'd got. And I don't know whether that helps because, as we'll discuss in future episodes, you know, the moment you meet the neurologist and he gives you the new... It is pretty... Staggering news. It is terrible. Very. It's a. It is a tremendous blow. When were you diagnosed, Julian? Ten years ago. Long time ago, actually. Oh. Yeah. And uh, the guy said, "Look, the first five years of the honeymoon period. Were any of you told that?" <laughs> well, yes. I was told that the, I could expect five good years, yeah. which I thought was pretty good because I'd had the odd good year up to then. Five in a row. Wow. I haven't introduced myself. I'm Nicholas Mostyn. I'm still working as a High Court judge, but I'm going to be retiring in July. And are you allowed to do this? I you're, am. A, you're a judge, and you sh you're not supposed to no. take part in this kind of malarkey. Oh, no, no. This is that uh, I sit mainly in the family division. 
I also sit in what's called now the King's Bench Division as uh, in the Administrative Court, and this is the first time that a serving judge has been allowed to appear in the media talking about something other than the law. So that's quite exciting. Well, who? Well, who? Yeah. There we are. And I was diagnosed in who, May who? 20, just after the lockdown. <laughs> Who, who said you could appear on this? The, the Lord Chief Justice. The Lord Chief Justice has given yeah. permission for yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Is he, he, he going yeah. to be listening? Can we put by appointment too? No, Lord you Ch- can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they've been very good about this. Now, I have to say that they've been uh, made my, enabled me to do my, continue doing my job admirably, and we'll be discussing this in later episodes. Admirably. It's the reason I'm retired. Of all of us, you've had the best experience. Because they, they put a note-taker up on the bench with you, they didn't do. they? I have a permanent assistant to oh. have a note-taker, yeah. Oh, my well. God. I have a note-taker. I don't have to... I can't write anymore, so, uh, yeah. so I have a note-taker. And do you have someone walking in front of you <laughs> bending backwards <laughs> so that they can... No, I have seen that happen. I, I saw that happen at the state opening of Parliament. The Lord Chancellor has to walk backwards. <laughs> when he's presented the things to the Queen, he has to walk backwards. Is that the and reason, do you think? Yeah. It's extraordinary because you can't turn your back on the monarch. So I have actually seen that. In case you fall. Privy councillors are the same, aren't they? Yeah. they? They must only shake hands forward-facing and they yeah. must never, ever turn their back on the monarch. There used to be, when you were made a High Court judge, you had a private audience of the Queen. I was one of the last because that was... Uh, that stopped because she was getting quite old and they did them in batches. But yeah, I had a private audience with the Queen and we were told you have to walk out backwards. So I walked out backwards. So does this trace, <laughs> trace back to Ethelred the Unsteady who was, had an early case of Parkinson's and had a man walking in front of him and they thought to formalise it? Ethelred the Unsteady. Yes. yes. And, and what is the, the Unready. Yes. And what is the connection between the Queen's granddaughter and uh, Parkinson? Mike Tyndall. Tyndall. Yeah. Do you he's think he'll appear on this podcast? Well, he might. Well, do I met Mike Tyndall and Sarah recently, and I was able to tell them that when I did my show on one occasion, we had an auction, and Mike had donated two rugby shirts for the occasion, and the woman doing the auction knew nothing about rugby, so she introduced them by saying, "And now we've got two shirts, rugby shirts, donated by the marvelous Mike Tiddle." <laughs> 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 What do you think we should talk about in forthcoming episodes? I think we should talk about... The thing that seems to be unacknowledged about this is is the psychological aspect of it. I find it very depressing. Well, depression is part of it, yeah. Everyone talks about all the, the, the physical aspects. And for me, actually, the, the non-physical aspects, sleeplessness oh. and, for the first year, the depression have been the worst part of it. Well, I hope we're going to have an episode about sleep disorders because my sleep has become completely impossible now. I find it incredibly difficult to sleep and when I am asleep, I'm having the most lurid nightmares. And it's absolutely intolerable. <laughs> I got a judge there. You can sleep on the bench, can't you? <laughs> There's also hypersexuality we could talk about at some point, I suppose. You can. And the dangers yeah. of gambling. There's yes, you can talk about of, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently in men it's hypersexuality and the same drugs. Do you know what they do for women? No. They make you go shopping. Uh, <laughs> Literally, they do. They make you go shopping? Yeah. Yeah, women um, I have no do desire to go internet shopping, shopping in the middle of the night. That the, and men have is that the medication hypersexual the, dreams. Is that the medication or the, or the, medication. Or the condition? No, medication. The medication. Same, as, same right. as the stuff that's making you have the sexual thing. They're very worried about gambling. I told them it was the only sin I didn't have, but... Mm. Uh, Yes. And people have lost their houses and things, you know. They have. I mean, I think something we should talk about is, is the self-help aspect. What can you do when you're first diagnosed? The exercise is the one thing 
that everyone it, agrees yeah. exercise of some form because it's, you're producing your own nat natural dopamine yeah there's a lack of communication i think between all the different strands the people with parkinson's the neurologists and all the helpers that we get there's an extraordinary range of things that we can access and that people don't know i met a chap a couple of weeks ago he started joining the, the ballet class that I go to with English National Ballet last year and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's 14 years ago and for the first 12 years he was, said he was all on his own. He didn't know anyone with Parkinson's. He wasn't pointed in any direction to get help or get support. Because one of the good things, and we're probably lucky the most, is there is a great community around Parkinson's. I, I've met all sorts of people through it. Beyond you lot, from all sorts of walks of life... There are great local groups. There's a lot of pressure groups, a lot of angry people wanting things to change. Yes. So there's a lot going on. Yes. There's an, there's an enormous it, amount going on. I don't on. think there's anything much going on. Well, there's a lot going on in terms of research. It's just it's not but happening the, the fast enough. The medics are so useless. Ah, well, this is, this is going to be Jeremy's function from time to time <laughs> throughout this series to pour cold water on the rest of us. Is that fair? I don't think it is, no. I just am really, really underwhelmed by the medics. In what way? Well, you know, they, the levodopa, levodopa, which is synthetic dopamine, they discovered the only breakthrough ago. in... There were 60 years ago yeah. it was discovered. Yeah. Mm. And that has been the only breakthrough in the uh, treatment of Parkinson's, hasn't it? That they discovered this messenger chemical was non-existent in, or, or re significantly reduced, reduced yeah. in a lot of people who had Parkinson's. What we must do, Jeremy, is get a top medic onto this podcast well, we will. at some stage. Yeah, kick him. Well, no, I was going to say, <laughs> have, have you do to My him neurologist to is very Harris. keen to come, and you can uh, tackle him head on. But I would say that they've done more in the last 60 years than just discover levodopa, haven't they? Jeremy's right. As someone who, who writes about all this, we've been waiting 60 years for a big breakthrough. What is positive is in, in the last four or five years, we've had several promising drugs getting to phase three clinical trials we've got two right now in phase three which is the last stage before potentially getting there and there's a, a really good charity we all should, should get on called cure parkinson's yeah. which tries to do what it says on the tin and which has hope that we shall see sometime in the next decade this huge breakthrough that we've all been waiting for well i hope that the, the head man there is going to come and talk to us at a later episode i'll book him yeah I think something else we ought to look at, because, I mean, let's face it, although we're very unfortunate in what we're suffering from, this disease, we are all quite privileged. We are mm -hmm. we are very lucky. We are five white, white old men and a white woman. No, she's all not old. Young, young yeah. white okay. woman. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, I'll give you <laughs> the fiver later. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not we exactly diverse, from, are we? No, we're not. I mean, we have to fess we're, up to we're that. We're all disabled. Uh, that, that's that's true. But I think we should hear from people who are struggling financially. Yes, and affects them. absolutely. Yeah, and that's a, another theme. I've met one or two of them. Yeah, another theme is the the world of work. Also, whether you feel able to be public about it at work, and I think we all did, and and found it helpful. But I've met people. I met a farm guy was a farm labourer who was convinced that he would be out of out of a job if if he told his his employer that he had Parkinson's. And, and, and was he? He wasn't in the end, but it, it's, it's the fear rather than it actually happening necessarily. Yeah. But I was advised not to tell anyone by the doctors. They said, don't. Why? It was completely duff advice. They said, you'll end up comforting other people because they get so well, upset. You don't Friends want of that. yours who, that uh, 
they'll be more upset and then you relive this thing over and over again. So I didn't tell anyone. And for about, I don't know, two, three years, nobody knew. Theoretically, nobody knew. And then in the same week in the end, two people came up to me and said separately, so, you know, in similar sort of words, so sorry to hear about the multiple sclerosis. <laughs> Uh, and then I thought, I've had enough of this, I'm going to tell people. Another great subject f- for a later podcast is the impact on those around I, I told everybody in my Christmas letter that year. Right. And in fact, I found it was really advantageous because I three, at least three, three couples got back to me and said, um, we must go and stay with them in the Lake District and in Devon and somewhere else. And uh, while we were staying with them, we realised that they thought I was going to die in the next year. So <laughs> And I'm I'm still keeping them going in. Well, uh, you're yeah. still getting to the Lake District. I'm still getting to the Lake District. Mm. Yes. Well, yeah. I I could go on sitting until I'm 75. They put the retirement age up. But mercifully, but mm. I've decided to go now. I'm age 65 because although the drugs are working for me, they're not working so well for you, Jeremy. But they are working for me. A bit of a tremor. If you'd seen me a year ago before I went on to this new drug you would have, you would have said that he's got Go a really on. bad tremor i don't know where the i know the direction of travel but i don't know how impaired i'm going to be and how quickly so i'm retiring now so i can give myself uh. a good chance of a few good years of retirement that I'm, i may get more than a few good years of retirement but i want mm. to try and bank a few good years of retirement which is why i'm going exactly yeah lots so of dms to I'm be carpeted mm. but we don't know how many we don't for know us. and there's yeah. a thing we're going to talk about is that there are so many unknowns aren't there Paul? It's all unknown really I mean the um, when I saw my neurologist for the very first time my wife asked the question does it affect life expectancy and he said well that's a very interesting question (laughs) (laughs) because we used to think it did affect life expectancy and then about five years ago we decided that it didn't but now we think it does. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that sort of sums up pick. the whole thing about oh, Parkinson's. Yeah, about exactly. He left yeah. you on a cliffhanger and then... Yeah. yeah. But the first neurologist I saw said, uh, diagnosed me with Parkinson's and said, um, I said, what does it mean? So what's the, what's the lookout? And he said, it's likely you'll be in a wheelchair in five years. I said, what? What do you mean likely? What do you mean like, what, likely? What do you mean by likely? He said, well, at least 20%. I said, that's not likely, that's unlikely. Mm, yes. So, but this is the sort of type What of are you telling us is that there are people out there who are innumerate, and this is shocking. <laughs> no, there are people out there, there, there are, are aspects... There are neurologists who are innumerate. Yeah, mm. Even more frightening. Yeah, we don't understand probability, but uh, there are many, many... Un- we face many unknowns. Should we talk a little bit about why we're doing this podcast? Yes. Whose idea was this? It was yours. I know. I think it was yours, actually. No, I believe. I think it was Rory's. You said we should do a podca- podcast. That was. I think that was to put you off saying we should write a book, <laughs> which Jeremy rightly said is the worst idea anybody had ever had. <laughs> yeah, books are to be avoided at yeah, all costs. Yeah. Did I say a book? You did. It was going to be called Four Men in a Boat for some reason. I there were only four four of us then, and we were men. Jeremy said it was extremely rude about the idea. Uh, what was the book going to be about? Well, that's, that's so the other thing is memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you so, said, "Let's do a podcast." Did I? Yeah. God, it's my fault. Why are we doing this podcast? Remind me. Why are we doing this podcast? I think we're doing this podcast because actually, I think it the, helps to hear the, other people. The voice and the voice of the person with Parkinson's, even when they've still got a voice, <laughs> is not actually heard that much. Mm-hmm. We have other people speaking on behalf of us, but this is our chance to speak. 
as people with Parkinson's and be open and honest. And I think it's very important that we are open and honest because I find that if you start talking about the embarrassing side of Parkinson's, other people feel liberated by that. So I think we need to be as, as completely honest as we possibly can and talk about the embarrassments, talk about the difficulties, talk about the pains, but at the same time celebrate what it has actually given to us. That's what I'd like mm-hmm. to do. I think, don't we hope to help other people, of course? I think it's fuck all it's given funny. us. Mm. <laughs> Sorry? I think it's given us fuck all. It, it may have given you that, but it, uh, others... <laughs> well, it that's the thing we're exactly different. improved my life now, I agree. No, exactly. Yeah. Apart from seeing you again, Jeremy, which is... Well, a that's a treat. Pleasure. I agree, Mark. Mm, can it's a treat uh-huh. exchange insults about our beards, and that would never have happened without Parkinson's, that's but I think true. I'd swap it back. I don't know. We, when we get together, it always cheers me up. I go home with a it bit does. of a smile it on does. my face. Do and it does. Yeah, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. It, it does. Just, you it's, want to it's get out. But you realise you're no, not alone. I well, think and also you realise, at least I'm not as bad as Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not just reaching out, that awful phrase, to uh, the people who've been diagnosed. We're circling back. But there's a whole community of people connected with people, people connected with people who who have been diagnosed. All their families, children. This way, there's a huge community of people, congregation, who are affected by Parkinson's, looking for information about Parkinson's. And it's Uh, grim the information out there. So I suppose this is to degrimify. How about that? Degrimify. That's our objective. Also, also, we're a bunch of drama queens who who like to talk. Speak for yourself. Yeah. That's fair, very yeah. fair. I had no voice until now. Microphone <laughs> comes on, suddenly the voice comes back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, I think it will be of some interest to <laughs> the, the big, people. It will be of some, some interest, interest says on the, to people the to listen to what we talk about in our meetings because we are actually having one of our meetings. What do we talk about in our meetings? The, what we're talking about now is what we talk about in our meetings. <laughs> do we? We do, yeah. And then we talk about... This end, endless lachrymosity. No, no we don't. It's not. We, it's we, not we, it's we, we share funny... St- well, Paul, Paul cheers us up yeah. and you bring us back down again. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a, the, the cycle of it life. Is. It is. Yeah. If I could just mention that one piece of advice that I would give everybody is to try and remember the bits that were funny about what happened in your Parkinson. Last week, I was on a train and I had a need to go to the toilet. And by the time I got to the toilet, I sort of just about managed to get my trousers down because I have to take everything down. <laughs> it's, and I managed to sit on the loo. And then I had my pee. And then when I got up, I had to put my trousers right up again. And it took me about three or four minutes. And while I was doing it, I bashed against the door and it's got one of those push buttons. The door and opened. So the door opened uh. on this crowded train, and there was my naked bottom visible for all the passengers standing in the car. And I just thought, there's only one way <laughs> to think of this, and that's to find it funny. So I laughed. Yes, I'm sure that that and would be they were shocked. Think of a defence. And I may well be coming to the, to, to the indecent forward. exposure. Yes, exactly. I mean, and if you subscribe, I will be seeing you before next. The Parkinson's <laughs> defence. <laughs> if you subscribe to this podcast, you get a picture of your naked body. <laughs> You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Kathleen-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. 
The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter at MoversAnd6, that's Movers and the number 6. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>